This is season one of Betting On It, an eight episode series where we follow one betting industry startup on its journey to raise seed capital. Betting On It is brought to you by GeoComply, who provides fraud prevention and cybersecurity solutions that detect location fraud and help verify a user's true digital identity. Trusted by leading brands and regulators for the past 10 years, their geolocation solutions are installed on over 400 million devices and analyze over a billion transactions every month. To learn more, visit www.geocomply.com. All right, the red light is on, which means we are officially recording the first episode of what is a little experiment that I've been wanting to do for a while now. If you've listened to even one of the 65 current episodes of the Betting Startups podcast, you know that I try to cover as much ground as I can with my guests, but the reality is that 30 minutes really isn't much time and it's impossible to truly get to know a startup in that short amount of time. And as I sometimes like to describe it, I go wide with my guests, but really can't go too deep given the time constraints that we have for each episode. So like I say, we're trying a little experiment here and this is the official starting line for it. This is episode one of the newest sub-series under the Betting Startups podcast umbrella which I'm calling betting on it. The concept for betting on it is simple. Over the course of eight episodes, we're going to go deep and get to know one industry startup as it gets investor ready ahead of launching its seed funding round. The series finale at the end of May will see the team deliver a 10-minute pitch to three industry investors who will provide their feedback and commentary on the opportunity. In each episode between now and then, we'll focus on one specific topic that the team is working through. For each episode, We'll bring in an expert guest to chat with the team, and my role will be to help facilitate that discussion. So why am I doing all of this? The honest answer is that I hope at least some of the topics discussed in this series are generally useful to other entrepreneurs as well. Maybe not every episode will deliver an actionable insight, but I do hope it can bring some amount of value to other founders that might be grappling with similar issues. Now, will this be interesting to a lot of people? I hope so, but honestly, I don't really know. As I say, it's a big experiment and I don't pretend to have it all figured out quite yet. So please don't be shy about letting me know what you think about all of this. If after these eight episodes, there's an insatiable appetite for more, then maybe we'll launch a second season later this year, but that's getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. By now, I suspect you're waiting for me to shut up and talk about which startup we'll be getting to know over the next eight episodes. So let's talk about that. Season one of Betting On It will feature Drew and Sawhill from Bets Booster, who I happen to think are doing some pretty cool stuff in this space. Drew is actually a fairly recent guest of the Betting Startups podcast, so I'll drop a link to episode 56 from January, and I'd encourage everyone to check out that as a primer on what Bets Booster is up to. I first connected with Drew and Sawhill last fall and have been very impressed with their clarity of thought and their pace of execution, so much so that I've agreed to be an advisor to them, which I guess is a bit of a disclosure in the spirit of openness and transparency. But that's a long and rambly enough intro, so let's introduce you to the team. Drew Sawhill, welcome to episode one of Betting On It. Drew, you're somewhat of a familiar face to our audience. So let's say hello to you first. How are you doing and how have you been keeping since we last spoke with you in January? Uh, doing great. Really looking forward to getting this podcast underway. Awesome. And Sahil, great to meet you on the podcast here. Welcome to the show. Uh, it'd be great if we could actually spend a quick minute hearing a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe some of the chapters of your journey up until co-founding Bets Booster. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me. I have been in the tech space for about 13 years or so. My career really started off in consulting. And because of that, I've sort of crossed all of the various sectors, right? Government, private, and nonprofit. And I pretty much went all over the company size space as well. I worked at companies as small as seven and as big as Oracle and Microsoft. And uh, Oracle was my last foray before uh, getting started on, on Best Booster. Awesome. So 
I guess with the formalities out of the way, let's just get right into the meat and potatoes of this first episode. For this first one, we'll run through the Bets Booster business model to give listeners a sense of how you're thinking about everything at this stage. And to do this, we'll use the Lean Canvas framework, which is a popular and effective method for validating ideas. Basically, the Lean Canvas, it's a one-page business plan template that helps you deconstruct your idea into its key assumptions. It's adapted from the business model canvas and optimized for lean startups. And the idea is that it's meant to replace elaborate business plans with basically a single-page business model. The Lean Canvas is divided into nine key components, with each component representing a critical aspect of the business. And what we'll do today is basically go through each of those nine components and spend a couple minutes on each and give listeners basically a sense of kind of where Bets Booster is at and sort of how you're thinking about the, the business model as it exists today. For people listening that want to, you know, validate their own ideas, I'd really encourage you to check out the Lean Canvas. It's a very powerful tool for entrepreneurs and startups that are looking to develop and refine their business model in a bit of a dynamic and agile way. It's really easy. It takes, you know, no more than 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, you can Google Lean Canvas and, and find the one page template online. Uh, so take a look if that all sounds interesting. So that's what we're doing today. That's the plan of attack. Does that all sound good by you guys? Sounds great. Right on. Um, I will preface as well by saying that, um, you know, the Lean Canvas, again, really is intended to help validate ideas. I would argue that Bets Booster currently is past the, the idea stage. I mean, you do have a working product in market. Um, you know, there, there is an initial business model attached to it. And you do have a lot of things that Maybe people that would otherwise be completing the Lean Canvas don't yet have. But nevertheless, it is a useful exercise just to flesh out and validate some of your own assumptions as you're currently thinking about the model. So with that all out of the way, let's get into it. And we're going to go through each of the nine sections of the Lean Canvas, first with the customer segments. So to start with, guys, basically want you to sort of think about the different groups of customers that your product is targeting. Um, could include sort of demographic information, behavioral patterns, or whatever other characteristics you're thinking about with your segments. But ideally, you know, we can identify two or three broad segments of, of potential users for the Best Booster app. I'll defer to whichever of you wants to go first, but let's start there and I'll make some notes along the way here. Can uh, sort of pick up where we left off on the last podcast or this one and go from there. So uh, like I mentioned last time, kind of the end goal here is to have this be accessible to a lot of folks who uh, are blue collar, don't really have laptops, desktop computers. Once we can get some of them using it, the idea is that lots of people can use it. And so along the way, we'll probably um, kind of make pit stops at other demographics. And I'll let Sahil speak to some of them. Yeah, I think beyond that, we also, you know, of, of course, anybody who's already sports betting. And then other demographics that would be very interested are people who uh, are interested in making some money on the side. And people who are diehard sports fans, but aren't actually engaging in sports betting right now. This might be skipping ahead a little bit, but a lot of the other products on the market that sort of pedal positive EV and arbitrage based solutions really target sharp betters. And so we're kind of looking to do the opposite of that. Like we're not looking to compete for sharp betters. They are already fairly well served. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so customer segments, people that are betting, people that maybe are earlier on in their betting journey, let's say, maybe don't have some of those advanced concepts in place and, and certainly wouldn't identify as being a sharp better. That sounds good, guys. I guess with those being the segments, can we talk a bit about some of the problems as the second component then, right? So uh, if you think about who these customers are and, and sort of the persona that you just described for them, what are some of the key, I guess, problems that your product is addressing, maybe some of the pain points or challenges that these target customers face? Biggest one in my mind is accessibility. Like I mentioned, if we're, you know, if our 
future customer archetype is somebody who has a three-year-old iPhone and no laptop, no desktop computer. Their experience using products designed for sharp betters is going to suck based on what's currently in the market. So like that's really the problem we're solving is the accessibility, the barrier to entry, and just starting to use some of these more advanced betting strategies. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pile on to that a little bit and just expand it to say, you know, even if you do have a laptop or desktop, a lot of the tools that exist today are primarily focused on educating the user. And so you have to sit there and fill out a table. You have to read three pages of information. You have to have all the context in the background to know how to fill out that table. Um, and by the way, you have to do all this manually while the bet odds are changing real time. So, so our goal is to basically remove all of these barriers and instead just deliver exactly what the user needs as fast as they need it automatically so that they can take advantage of, you know, whatever opportunity exists in the market right now. Well, that segues nicely then to the third component of the lean canvas, which is the solution. So, I mean, you sort of spoke to this sawhill, but you know, in, in sort of two or three points, how do you describe the product and, and just sort of how it solves the problems that you just identified, right? And I guess you'd be thinking from a features and benefits perspective with the product, like how are the features that you're envisioning for the product going to help solve that problem for your target customers? So first, uh, the product starts off by not requiring any education of the customer, right? The product delivers the information that they need. So instead of go and read and understand how to place this kind of bet, we're just going to say, look for this on the screen and put in this number, at least initially. And as we progress, that will transform to, hey, everything is filled in. Just validate that the numbers match what, what we told you. So that's number one. Number two, um, the product is fun. Building in tables is not a fun for a lot of people, right? <laughs> but actually using a product that is enjoyable and makes you money, I think that that's a game changer. Anything you yeah. want to add there, Drew? Uh, yeah, I'll add a little bit. Automation, I think in a single word is what our biggest solution to that problem is. Uh, if you have a mobile app and all of the data processing, all of the math is done for you, we, you know, go through and curate our recommendations based on the sports books that you actually have as an individual user. And then we just deliver, you know, like Sahil said, here's the information you're betting hundred dollars on Nebraska plus 235. We need customers to trust us is basically instead of us trying to tell you all of the information and all of the strategy and all of the math and everything, you just need to trust that we know it and have automated it. And I guess that then leads pretty nicely into the fourth component of the Lean Kansas, which is your unique value proposition or your USP or UVP, it's a lot of acronyms. Um, basically, your value proposition, it's a brief statement that summarizes the unique value that your product is providing to your customers. Typically, uh, a USP or UVP is, is pretty punchy, right? It should be clear, concise, and compelling. How are you guys thinking about sort of the overall value proposition in, in sort of a singular statement or two? Sahil said, it's going to be fun. Oh, as I said here today, is it fun to use? No, but you know, once we build it out, it will be. And so, you know, I'll expand on that a little more. That was brief, but if you have, you know, let's say the same tool. So you have a tool and it makes you money, right? That's the nature of the product. You can have the tool be fun or not fun. Which one do you choose? Fun, right? It's obvious. Like that's the unique value proposition we're pursuing. Yeah, I'll just reiterate accessibility. It's fun and it's going to take something that right now is very niche, very inaccessible to the majority of people and bring it to everybody. 
Awesome. Well, it's all coming together here slowly. Um, so that's the first four. Uh, takes us to number five of the nine on the Lean Canvas. And we're going to talk about the channels here, right? Obviously, from a marketing perspective, there's a million different channels you can consider. You can't do all of them. So how are you sort of thinking about reaching these customer segments that you've identified and, and how will you ultimately get the best booster product in front of them? Well, I can speak briefly to what we already have in place and then let Sahil do um, some of our forward-looking marketing strategies. Right now, what we're building out is uh, an affiliate program in that one of our customers who uses the product and likes it can then go refer someone else to it. And functionally, we use that person's code to refer them to sportsbooks, which is hundreds of dollars of value right there. On top of that, we can also then go and pay our affiliates based on the revenue they bring in. And from that, we're looking at doing really like bottom up social media marketing with the core idea there being if we incentivize people to do this, then as we scale, the people who are especially responsive to this incentive are then going to start referring people and then it kind of snowballs from there. So we're building in the mechanisms for exponential growth now before we really uh, start pouring money on the fire, so to speak. Yeah. And looking ahead on top of that, we're also going to start experimenting with other channels. So for instance, we're thinking about potentially pursuing partnerships with some micro-influencers in the finance or betting space or sports betting space. You know, we're also looking at potentially using paid advertising, but all of that is just pending some experimentation coming up from us. Excellent. So to sort of distill that down into a couple of bullets and uh, for me to make the notes is, you know, you're really thinking hard about um, obviously implementing an affiliate program, but then also as, as part of that really driving user-driven growth by way of referrals, right? And having some sort of economic incentive for your customers to be referring their friends and basically having, uh, as I say, the incentive there to really drive growth that way. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Making sure all the agency problems line up, so to speak. Someone's individually incentivized to refer people and then that's good for us. So then people just have to do what's good for them and then that ends up being good for us. Awesome. All right. We're over halfway through the canvas, guys, making good progress here. The next one is revenue stream. So uh, uh, obviously this sort of focuses on the different ways that the Bets Booster business will generate revenue. Just to speak to it, I mean, revenue streams come uh, in many different forms, but they can include sort of one-time sales, subscription models, advertising, million other ways. Um, how are you guys thinking about revenue streams for Bets Booster as of today? Right now we have a SaaS stream, uh, just the subscriptions coming from the customers. And then we're setting up affiliations. So where we can get a cost per acquisition from our affiliates. Um, and then potentially down the line, we could also set up rev shares. Yep. Nailed it. What we got for now. Awesome. So primarily subscription based with some ancillary revenue coming by way of uh, affiliates, but primary revenue stream again, as of right now is, is the subscription based model, right? Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. I guess sort of one add on there as market conditions change and the value of our service oscillates. One of the things we're looking at is doing a dynamic pricing model. So rather than saying our service costs X dollars a month, it would kind of scale up and down based on current market conditions. Can you just elaborate a bit on that, Drew? Like when you say current market conditions, like what, what are the conditions that might be changing that would influence a shift in your pricing strategy? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Actually, it might be a good uh, teaser for the next episode. Uh, so sports betting is relatively new in the U.S., right? All right, just a quick break to let you know that on May 8th, GeoComply and City will be launching their Challenger Series New York City Summit, where some of gaming's best and brightest will be together under one roof. From compliance, product, payments, fundraising, and more, they will be sharing the hacks, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. So if you're an iGaming operator looking to enter the U.S. market, 
This free event is definitely for you. Access their on-demand video series to see what the summit is all about, which you can find by going to www.geocomply.com. So sports betting is relatively new in the U.S., right? Very new in some states, not even legal in some states. And the amount of money an individual can make from doing positive EV or arbitrage-based betting right now is in the tens of thousands to, you know, in some cases over $100,000 per year, pending a lot of things such as how quickly sportsbooks limit you and, you know, other reasons. But 20 years from now, let's say, those numbers are going to shrink. You might not be able to make $70,000 a year doing that. Maybe you can make, let's say, an order of magnitude less, $7,000 a year. Well, that's still a valuable product, right? We can, you know, if someone makes $7,000 a year playing a video game, the market value for that product is not $0. We can still charge something for that. What it is and like how the prices fluctuate, we don't know. But if we build something that's kind of robust to that and scales up and down based on the value we deliver, we should, we should sort of have that problem solved in an automatic way. Awesome. That makes a lot more sense uh, in that context, Drew. Thanks for elaborating there. Uh, next one is the cost structure. So what do you think are, the, I guess, the broad categories of costs associated with running the Bets Booster business? Obviously, you know, there's costs pre-launch in terms of just getting the tech stack and the product up to snuff, but then there's ongoing costs post-launch, marketing and other operational costs. Just broadly, guys, right now, again, high level, how are you sort of thinking about the cost structure of the business? Let's see. I'll, I'll divide this into two buckets. Stuff we are currently paying for, uh, recurring, and then stuff that we have an eye on paying for once we fundraise. Currently, we're investing in tech mostly and a few legal fees, such as getting our affiliate licenses in place, things of that nature. As we get fundraising, we need to bring on staff full-time. Um, we need to like, investigate marketing a little more diligent. Like what we've tried so far has been kind of underwhelming. There are some operational costs, uh, data entry, things of that nature. Uh, so anything you want to add? Yeah, just to reinforce what Drew said, you know, right now we're running very lean. And so the majority of our costs are, you know, things like affiliate licenses and tech. Over the next six to 12 months, let's say, we expect that to change pretty drastically. Um, we expect people to become a significant portion of that pie. And then secondly, our tech bills are going to rise dramatically as we start consuming other APIs to make the product simpler and more automated for the user. Um, and then, of course, as we experiment with marketing. Yeah, there are a couple of APIs there that are really going to take us to the next level, but they are expensive. Okay, moving along here, the next section, key metrics, right? So this section basically just outlines and identifies which metrics you guys will use to measure the success of the business, right? I mean, again, there's a million different metrics a business can choose to focus on. Everything from sort of customer acquisition costs, customer lifetime value, conversion rates, so on and so forth. As it is right now, how are you guys thinking about which metrics will ultimately sort of measure the, the health and I guess the trajectory of the best booster business. I think the, the main one, like I just alluded to, is like how much value are we providing to an individual customer? And so if a customer is using our product and they win $1,000 a month in profit, all of our other internal business metrics can kind of be derived from that. So like if we can provide $1,000 of value to someone a month, let's say we charge them 10% of that and our subscription fee would be $100. And then a lot of the standard marketing ones, I guess, uh, you know, Saho can go into customer acquisition cost, a lot of that stuff. But at the highest level, like value per customer is like the singular key metric, I guess. Exactly. And, and as Drew said, everything else can pretty much be derived from that. If our value per each customer, say median value per customer goes up, then daily active users will go up, right? Of course. 
and customer acquisition costs will go down if we're actually successfully incentivizing them with with uh, economic incentives for them to refer their friends, and we are actually providing real meaningful value to them, then you know all the other metrics sort of just follow. And of course, any business could say that this is the case for them, right? That's like a pretty, it's a pretty naive statement to make generally. But in this particular case, we're talking about literal monetary value. So I think we can say that with a little more conviction than most businesses. Yeah, dealing in cash has its perk. Cool. That leads us to our ninth and final component to the lean canvas, which is your unfair advantage. So this section of the canvas basically focuses on what are the unique advantages that Bets Booster has over its competitors or would be competitors. Unfair advantages can come in many forms, right? They include things like proprietary technology, things like patents, strategic partnerships, things to that effect. Um, one definition I've heard of an unfair advantage is like the only real competitive advantage which cannot be copied and cannot be bought, right? So I guess through that lens, how are you guys sort of thinking about the unfair advantage that you have with Bets Booster? I think that there's a couple of just high level ways in which we have unfair advantages. One is our staff and our advisors. Um, you know, we have a lot of experience building excellent user experiences, uh, and we have some experience with gamification as well. And so to the, to the idea of making a simple product that's easy to use and fun, this is how we get there. Um, secondly, we have a first movers advantage. You know, there's nobody taking this kind of approach to this problem. As we said earlier, there's people who are taking the educational approach, people who are sort of aiming their products at sharp betters. Um, we are not doing that. And so we're sort of the first to market in that sense. Um, and then lastly, we have an existing product with all of the, the, you know, the algorithms worked out, the partnerships worked out, the integrations finished, the tech built, like all of that stuff gives us a significant advantage as well. Yep. And then I just want to emphasize the gamification aspect of it. I'm teasing pretty hard here for those of you listening to audio. Mm -hmm. This is good stuff. Uh, so we have you guy Zhao advising us and he basically pioneered the field of gamification in a lot of ways. And then you know, personally, I uh, was number one on four different Guitar Hero games back in the day. So you know, between the two of us, we've gone all the way down the video game rabbit hole and like, you know, hung out down there, looked around, you know, like what game mechanics are, how they impact people, which ones, which ones are appealing for what reasons and a lot of that stuff as an example. And so like we all caps, no games. Right. Whereas in a lot of industries in general, not just sports betting, people toss around the word gamification is just kind of like a buzzword, but like they don't understand the true depth of it and like what it is, how to do it. And so, so like we do know those things and can build those things. And so by the time we're done, this is going to actually feel like a video game, right? It's going to be fun and you are going to win money. I think that's our huge mode because. I haven't seen that done anywhere else for anything. Right on, guys. Well, look, we've now completed the canvas uh, in a bit of an adapted form here. It wasn't quite as visual as I say it, it normally is, but um, I think that was a useful exercise. Uh, number one, just to sort of, you know, flesh out your own top level thinking right now about some of the key aspects of the best booster business, but also for folks listening, right, gives them some context as to where you guys are currently at at a bit more of a tactical level than maybe you alluded to in your previous podcast appearance, Drew. So. I hope that was useful for people listening to kind of get a sense as to who you guys are, how you're thinking about the business. And I guess looking forward here over the next seven episodes in this series, you know, we're going to welcome in a guest into each future episode. It won't just be me talking and facilitating. I'll take a much more of a muted role. Um, and we're going to bring in guests to basically go deep on different functional topics with you guys. Again, my hope is that 
the discussions that you'll have there could be generally applicable to other people that might be listening. And there might be some value or insights there that others can take with them. Uh, but I'm really excited to go on this journey with you guys and appreciate you guys uh, signing up to what is, again, a bit of an experiment here with this format. And again, for people listening, I'd love to hear what you think of this. And as with all startups that run experiments, you know, uh, we'll listen to what the market says. And if, if there's um, interest here, if there's value here, we'll keep doing it. And if not, hey, we'll be one and done. And uh, we'll have had a good time in the process with Bets Booster. So we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for joining. We'll see you guys next week. And for everybody listening, thanks for uh, taking a punt with us on this and hope to see you again next week as well. We'll leave it there for today. Cheers. Cheers.